This is Hannah Rossman. I am here talking today with Veronica Trifonova. Hi! How are you Hi, doing? Hi, Anna. I'm great. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at the Emerald Necklace Conservancy? Sure. I'm with the Conservancy as the Director of Development and External Relations. And so my role really encompasses communicating with our external audiences, with park users, with public partners, with donors and supporters, folks who help us do programs. So it's a pretty broad role uh, in order to ultimately secure awareness and private support, uh, public support for the Emerald Necklace chain of parks. Cool. So can you tell me a little bit more about the Emerald Necklace Conservancy, like when it was founded? Absolutely. Uh, So we just passed our 20th birthday in 2018. We're 22 this year. So legal drinking age, I like to joke. (laughs) Um, The Conservancy was founded in 1998. And actually, it happened from a flooding event, a major flood event that you might know about. In 1996, there were a couple of really big surgy storms. I think it was full moon and head of the Charles and a huge rain. So kind of a big confluence of events. And um, what happened was that the section of the Muddy River, which is now a really pretty oasis right across from 401 Park Drive, it's called the Justin Mealiff Park. It had been for a long time culverted, put into a pipe underground. So historically, the Muddy River flowed from Jamaica Pond and out into the Charles. But in the 50s and 60s, so much emphasis, so much priority was given to automobiles. The story goes that the Landmark Center was the home base. It was a distribution center for Sears. Sears Roebuck Company. And they had, I think, threatened to leave the city unless they got extra parking. So the city paved over the river and built them a parking lot. Wow. Which is so ironic and terrible in so many ways. So the river got put into a little pipe underground and, you know, the pipe can only handle so much. And so 40 years later, this huge storm happens. There's a ton of water backed up, flooding all the way to Kenmore Square, the Back Bay Fence, I'm sure a bunch of Northeastern's campus. There's stories that we hear of MFA curators running up and down the stairs, you know, carrying paintings out of storage. So that was terrible and it was completely preventable because Frederick Law Olmsted designed the Emerald Necklace to be basically this gigantic sponge, this piece of green infrastructure as we know it today, to help absorb stormwater and rain and basically save the entire area around the necklace from flooding. That was exactly what it was designed to do. Not too many people know that. And so this event, this event in 1996, is a long answer to your question, but it really precipitated, to use a pun, sorry, uh, the founding (laughs) of the Conservancy as a private organization to really steward the entire Emerald Necklace chain. It's a five mile chain of parks. It really starts at the Boston Common, if you think about it, and then goes down the Public Garden, Commonwealth Avenue Mall, and then it links the Charles Gate Back Bay fence. It goes out to Riverway, Olmsted Park, Jamaica Pond, Arnold Arboretum and Franklin Park in Dorchester. The portion that Frederick Law Olmsted designed starts at Charles Gate, so he did not design the Common or the Gardens or the Comab Mall. So the organization, on the Emerald Necklace Conservancy, stewards the five miles and 1,100 acres, if you can believe it, of this parkland that is designed. It looks natural, but it wasn't there originally. And it has several landowners, the public of the city of Boston and town of Brookline, and even the Commonwealth of Massachusetts has a slice. So there was nobody really taking care of the system as a whole. And so that's the role of the conservancy. That's why it came into being, to look at this entire mechanism, to look at it as a kind of an ecosystem and a tool and to say, you know, regardless of whether 
this piece of land is in Brookline or Boston or state land, we need to really think about the entire infrastructure, the entire piece holistically, and we need to care for it. We need to maintain it. Wow. Yes. No, that's That's so important. Big big answer. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, it's a big job that you guys have to do. So makes sense. So what are the programs that you guys have in place to help conserve and protect these parks? One of the biggest roles we play is kind of intangible, but you could see it in the outcomes in the project. First and foremost, we coalesce these three public partners around a common agenda to help the Emerald Necklace. So that might mean, you know, tree pruning projects. It might mean thinking about signage in the parks or thinking about, you know, water quality in the Muddy River. There's just, there's a lot of public agencies that have jurisdiction over the Emerald Necklace and we're the entity that brings them around the table and make sure we're kind of all on the same page and using a similar standard of quality and care and and aspirations. We do a lot of tree pruning. We do watering. We do planting. We plant trees. We have inventoried 8,000 trees in the Emerald Necklace, but there's also an urban wilds in Franklin Park that's, you know, it's got 20,000 other trees that are not in our inventory. So we get to know the land, we get to know the places where it needs to be improved and the places where it's doing well, where there's invasive plant species that need to be cleaned up or restoration project that needs to happen. Uh, We do advocacy, we champion investments from our partners and making sure that their budgets, their city state budgets have adequate funding for parks. we talk to the community about access, what's helping them get into the parks, what's keeping them from getting into the parks. And that could be something as simple as, you know, there's not a crosswalk along this area of the necklace for a quarter mile. And I really don't want to go out of my way with a stroller or, you know, hey, I didn't know that this was for me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so all kinds of challenges and opportunities to improve public perception. And then we do a lot of programs, especially, you know, in the warmer months, we have a lot of volunteer days. We actually have had Northeastern volunteer quite a number of times, especially during orientation on parks cleanup, removing invasive plants, planting sometimes. We have corporate volunteers come in and do big volunteer days. We do a summer on the Emerald Necklace series of concerts and movies and fitness classes. And I should say, when I say we do this, this is kind of the pre-COVID reality. Right now, we still do a lot of this, but virtually. So it's actually, it can be for people all over the world now, as long as we have an internet connection. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but we also have an education program specifically for, we have Boston Public School second and third graders who come on field trips for our Canopy Classroom program. And so they get to learn about tree cycles and water bugs and photosynthesis and really experience nature in their backyard instead of behind a desk. We have a couple of youth leadership development programs for high schoolers, and we also provide free public tours and maps and communications about the necklace, because as I said a little bit earlier, it's a big story to tell. It needs to be broken down into digestible chunks. And we also have the Shattuck Visitor Center, which you as a Northeastern student might have gone by a million times and not noticed. It's a low red granite structure at the end of Forsyth Way, right there at the edge. If you go to Tate and you keep going straight, I like to say. Um, <laughs> so we have an exhibit there uh, about the making of the Emerald Necklace and the flood event that I mentioned and kind of the history of the conservancy maps and programs and we run a lot of community-based events out of that space. Wow, you guys have a lot going on. We do, we do. We just talk about it even more because it's spread out around 1,100 acres, which is a ton of space. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say is like the biggest challenge for you guys in getting all this work done? Well, I think 
having the public understand what they're looking at, what the necklace is. It's not just, you know, a random piece of green land in the middle of the city that someone decided to save when they were building around it. The city was built and, and this used to be kind of an area in the fence and it needed crafting and curation and design to channel the water, to manage the water. And Olmsted was called in because of his kind of sanitation experience. He had been in the South during the Civil War. He had started this organization that he worked for an organization that was the precursor of the American Red Cross. So in addition to being a preeminent landscape architect, he was also jack of all trades, knew a bit about sanitation and kind of the human condition in the cities. So he was really trying to problem solve for a sewage area. But what he wanted to create as a result is a beautiful park that took people all the way from downtown Boston out into the great country park that is Franklin Park and to really give a big space for people to come together and be seen coming together from all different walks of life. And of course, that's what we maintain to be the ideal of parks today. So the challenge, you know, it's a historic land landscape. It doesn't have a lot of flashy neon lights or signs or carousels or pony rides or any of that stuff. So just really educating the public about what the park system is, what functions it has, and what the public, what we need to do to keep it running smoothly and keep it maintained and healthy, the trees pruned, the water flowing through the muddy river. That's it's a lot of work to be done and it doesn't just take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess a little bit more about you in particular. How did you get involved with the Emerald Necklace Conservancy? Well, my primary experience has been with art museums. I studied art history as an undergrad, but I've always had a green streak. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't have the science background, but I've always been a huge recycler and tree hugger and enjoyed nature. And I've really been fortunate to have be exposed to a lot of green space and enjoy the power of nature. And I know that not everybody is in that same position. And so to be able to work to connect folks to this amazing resource, to this amazing space right in the middle of their city is very gratifying. And especially in the last few months of the pandemic, we have seen just how important access to green space is to get out, stretch your legs, get out of your head. And it's always been a healthy place to visit and even more so now for physical and for mental health to get outside and reflect and get away from it all, which is exactly what Olmsted also had in mind for these parks. Yeah, it's a really amazing resource. And, you know, I'm generally kind of new to Boston, so it's kind of exciting for me. But as someone who has lived in Boston for a long time, do you have a favorite part of the Emerald Necklace? You know, I have to say that the one I've known least about and the one I want to discover the most is Franklin Park. I used to live across the river, especially when you're in Somerville or Cambridge. It takes a lot of commitment to get out that way. But thankfully, the MBTA does connect to the Forest Hill stop. It's huge. It's 500 acres. It's a quarter of all of Boston's parkland in one place. So I have started to scratch the surface, but there's a lot more to discover there. There's Scarborough Pond with beautiful bridges. Uh, There's a couple of really great playgrounds and I have a couple little kids. So I always am on the lookout for for those kinds of things. I don't know if I, I could say I have a favorite favorite, but that's the one I'm really trying to discover more of now, Franklin Park. Yeah. You know, on our website, www.emeraldnecklace.org, you can plan your visit and so you can download a map. We also have a wayfinding, we call it an app. It's really a mobile optimized web page. So if you're out there with your smart device, you just typed in www.emeraldnecklace.tours, T-O-U-R-S, and you come up with a customized tour of about 50 stops in the necklace, park by park. So if you're visiting a park you've never been to, 
It's a really great way to get oriented. There's maps, there's points of interest, what you're looking at. So we have a tour of that for every park in the necklace. We have a foliage tour right now. So it's a really great resource if you don't know the parks well and you, you want to go out there and you want some sort of a guide with you. That's amazing. Wow. Okay, great. So this is this is a little bit onto a different topic, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. The geese are very notorious in the Emerald Necklace, especially in, you know, the Back Bay Fens. Northeastern students have a lot of thoughts on the <laughs> geese. How, how how do you feel about the geese? You know, I have the same kind of iconic recollection of them. When I was a student, you know, a high school, middle school student, I used to take the train and come into the city and go to the Museum of Fine Arts. And I just remember, I just, I do have this visual recollection of using kind of the back entrance onto the fence. And I just have this vision of like, brown leaves and geese everywhere. So you're completely right. They're part of the ethos of the area. But I don't remember that that there were as many of them when I was growing up as there are now. So I'd say everything in moderation. They're really cute, you know, especially when they're young or when they stop traffic. <laughs> they're kind of a, a running joke, I'm sure. But was it with any species in an ecosystem, you know, you get too much of something, it starts to mess up the water quality or the vegetation or many, maybe other bird species that can't get along. So I guess I'm ambivalent. <laughs> completely fair. <laughs> I know that there's been like some effort to control the goose population because it is a little bit out of hand through egg addling. And I was wondering if the Emerald Necklace Conservancy is involved in that. We ourselves, no, do not our, involve ourselves with that, but it is something our public partners do as part of kind of a best practice for population control. So depending where you are in the necklace, the city or state jurisdiction is addressing that. And we've actually talked about forming a goose task force, believe it or not, to just kind of continue researching and figuring out the best way to manage and address the challenges that having such a robust population presents. <laughs> That's great. I, I love that there's a whole task force for them. We do. Um, there are some organizations or like, you know, like ski resorts or places with big lawns that have hired like special dogs to basically like chase them around <laughs> until they fly away. But since the Emerald Necklace doesn't allow dogs off leash, we can't use that. Although I'm sure it'd be really fun to have a bunch of puppies running around. That would be so adorable. I'm sure I'm sure people would be entertained, but you know, gotta follow the rules. So beyond donating, what can our listeners do to contribute to the work of the Conservancy? Well, that's a good question. Thank you for asking. So when we do have volunteer days, we encourage everyone to sign up or those of you who are interested in being out in the parks. Usually our volunteer season is April to November and we're kind of have our COVID protocols in place. I'm sure Northeastern does as well, but we're starting to kind of dip our toe back in with very safe protocols around a little bit of volunteering. We invite you to visit our resources and like us on Facebook and Instagram, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and kind of amplify our message, share it with your networks so that, like I was saying, the, the opportunity for public understanding and knowing what the parks are can expand. We have a big population to educate. And then, you know, if you're, Clive, you're studying something that you think could be studied in the Emerald Necklace, maybe encourage your professor to take you on a field trip. We actually get quite a lot of students come through in their urban design program, in architecture. So there's a lot of intersections of like public health and landscape architecture, architecture, history, a lot of those things that can happen and can be taught in the Emerald Necklace. Even art classes have come through and worked with materials found in the necklace. So I definitely encourage folks to either if there's assignments that they can do using the Emerald Necklace or if they can get their class to 
take them outside, I would, I would say advocate for that. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds so fun. Well, those are all the questions I have. Is there anything else that you want to say before we finish up? Sure. Well, I guess I'll just finish with our very kind of brief mission statement, which is we're restoring and improving these parks for all. So you can find us online if you can think of ways to improve the parks, if you can think of ways to bring more visitors in the parks, if you want to encourage your friends to come so that it's the more the merrier. We invite you to the necklace. This episode of WRVB's 360 Huntington was hosted by Hannah Rossman. This recording wouldn't be possible without the help of Caleb Dreisman, our podcast director, and Andrew Sendry, WRVB's general manager. This episode of 360 Huntington was mixed and edited by our audio engineers. Special thanks to the WRVB leadership staff, Northeastern University, and Northeastern Student Activity Fee for funding this podcast. Our theme music is Horse Meat Burgers by Nick Robinson. Head to wrbbradio.org where you can find the latest episodes of all our podcasts, listen to our internet live stream, and read up on the latest music reviews. And make sure to follow us on all social media at WRBB Radio. Thanks for tuning in.